Ray and Nicole, welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Now, um, guys, would you classify yourselves as early adopters or late adopters of technology? I'm a late adopter, absolutely, but that's got more to do with I'm really tight and I won't pay the money for the early adoption. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hence, I only got an iPad last year. Right. Yeah. I was reading about this last night and they sort of got five categories of adopt- adopters and you've got the, the venturesome right up top and they said one of the key features of the venturesome is that they've got money to burn. So uh, I'm from a long line of um, fru- frugal family as well and I don't know if that's got anything to do with it too. Yeah. Uh, it's just so a posh tell- word for tight, you know that. Frugal? Yeah. Yeah, yeah well... Um, <laughs> The, uh, uh, tell us, um, how long have you guys been on the Central Coast? Uh, this, we've been here three years this month. Yeah. Three years, terrific. And mm-hmm. at your place, who have you got clamouring for screens at your home? I would say everyone, actually. Yep. Uh, and and everyone is. Every, who's everyone at home? But uh, We have three children. Um, and yes, we definitely do that battle daily with those three with technology, yeah. What ages are they? Uh, Our eldest son is 14, Bailey. Our daughter is 12, Talia. And youngest, Levi, is about to turn 10. Okay. Well, uh, we need all the wisdom we can get. Parenting has loads of challenges, so we're really looking forward to hearing your wisdom for us this morning. Good on you. Thanks, Tim. All right, let me start by... um a bit of an obscure movie, so I'm not sure whether you may or may not have seen it, but around 2008 there was a movie that came out called Speed Racer. Give me some indication whether you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a pretty funny movie, quite an interesting movie, just the way it's produced um, visually. But in, in there there's this classic uh, scene between the father, uh, Pops, and their youngest son called Spridal, as he's sitting next to his pet chimpanzee and they're... They've snuck into the lounge room to watch this big race. So they're sitting down watching the TV. Dad walks past, sees them on the TV and says, You and you, turn that TV off. Go and get outside. You're so pale. And then the next scene is these, this chimpanzee and this kid spider with these mirror board things under their necks, getting a suntan under their necks sitting outside. Kind of funny moment. But I guess I start with that to say that, that that comment that he makes is a pretty common line in our house. I'm not sure whether it's like that in yours, but especially in holidays, how often do you have to say to your kids, please, get that TV off and go and do something, will you? Mind my own here? I don't think I am, no. Um, so this morning, what we're going to do as we tackle this issue of managing screen time, uh, we decided we'd do it in three parts. First is kind of the scary and nasty bit. We want to just tap on the dangers of screens. Then we want to do a little, just a moment to think about what is it we're aiming for in uh, raising our kids, particularly around this issue. And then we'll end with some practical tips on at least how we have attempted to do some of this stuff and we'd welcome you to come and chat to us afterwards and touch base and give us some stuff that we haven't touched on this morning ourselves or give us some more advice. There's a guy called Paddy Chayevsky and he said that television is the menace that everyone loves to hate but can't seem to live without. Now, I don't think it's just TV. I think today you can add screens and devices of all kinds into that kind of mix. So, are they evil? Uh, is, is any device with a screen on it evil? Are they, tr- are they seeking to maliciously ruin our kids? Well, no, they're not. Um, but like anything, really, um, too much of a good thing can end up being a bad thing and become a problem. So, I certainly think... Um, like a lot of the areas of life, screens is just one of those 
kinds of things. So, let's jump into thinking then. As we think about it, it's, it's not an evil thing of itself. It can, it can be a problem. What are then the dangers that we need to be aware of with screens for our kids? So let's look at what are the dangers. This is the bit where we get to feel really awesome and amazing and depressed as parents. And can I just say the irony is not lost to me that while we wrote this talk, we shoved our kids on a stream so we could get some peace and quiet and write the talk. And they got that irony too, so we started well. Um, yeah, we, we in no way smash this. So we are just a couple of parents who are battling this on a daily basis with our three. Um, you can pull up any major study on the effects of excessive screen time and, and you pretty much get similar results. And, and I think it's kind of a no-brainer for us as parents because we actually see it playing out before our eyes in our own kids and our families. But... Other, other results can be a little surprising and frightening and we need to take note. So I did a little bit of digging and came up with some facts that help us get a picture of what this looks like amongst our kids. And according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics a couple of years ago, 2011 and 12, children between the ages of 5 to 17 spent on average one to one and a half hours of physical activity a day but they also spent on average two and a quarter hours of inactive screen-based TV kind of time, uh, with only about six minutes of that being accounted for homework. And if you're anything like my teenage son, the one and a half hours of activeness was him whinging about his six minutes of homework that he had to do. That is no exaggeration. That truly happens. Um, yeah. But this doesn't kind of include social media and YouTube and all the viewings that they do throughout the day. Um, the, um, sorry, lost my place. The Raising Children Network um, say that the average person consumes four hours and 49 minutes of media in a typical day. Um, now, these stats, stats vary as you narrow in on specific age groups, but you get the idea. We're, we're double the amount of time of sedentary, inactive, screen-based time than we are active. Um, and so this does have an effect on our families, and as a result, it has an effect on our society. Um, now, before I highlight some of these effects that the professionals tell us about, I actually thought I would interview my nine-year-old son who um, is very, very um, professional at screen-based time um, and thought maybe I'd find out what he thought the dangers were of excessive screen time. And it turns out that he has a lot of wisdom to share, um, some not so good, some, some good. So here you go. This is Levi's thoughts on um, excessive screen time. Um, so this is him quoted, sorry. It's not my bad grammar. Uh, sitting in front of a screen for too long can firstly damage your eyes. Good advice. Um, secondly, you find yourself getting even lazier and lazier, which means you're lazy to begin with. But um, You don't be active, working on the grammar, don't be active because you just sit on your bum and you don't move, except for your fingers, Mum. You have to use your fingers. It's a true fact. If you're playing a game, you need fingers. Um, some games can be inappropriate, so just don't get it and don't buy it. That, I thought that was pretty good. 
Um, you get bored sitting on a screen for a long time and you don't listen to your parents because you just want to keep playing, so you just ignore them. I don't know what the correlation between bored and not listening, but that truly does happen, yes? Um, and this one, yep. Sometimes, sometimes I get annoyed with you, Mum, when I get told to turn my screen and I call you a blooming idiot under my breath so you can't hear me. <laughs> I don't know what kid admits to that, but... <laughs> We had some serious words at that point. Um, I thanked him for his insight, but we had to have some words about that last point there. But I think he pretty much nailed it because he he actually does echo a lot of what the professionals tell us. Um, So these studies I looked at tell us that the dangers of excessive sedentary, inactive screen time can cause for our kids um, less energy, boredom and a lack of creativity. That's pretty much what Levi just said. Have you noticed that yourselves? As soon as you kick your kids off the screen, their mum are bored. I don't want to do. They don't like any of the suggestions. I can't be bothered. That's kind of the the response there. Um, we find that the days of unstructured play with a stick and an imagination are now competing for all manner of entertainment on screens. Um, as we heard earlier this week, screens are a big cause of sleep issues in our kids. Um, they have lower physical fitness. Uh, kids also these days now have shorter attention spans. Teachers in the classroom are having to teach their kids to have attention span and focus on things for periods of time. And I've noticed that too with my... My kids will now sit down to watch a movie with an iPod because they're bored half an hour into the movie. So we end up with two screens. So, um, yeah, we see that playing out with our kids. Um, But I think... Some of the more serious issues we see as a result of excessive media is the increase of anxiety and depression in our kids. Um, and there are a lot of reasons for this, but media, social media and the use of it do play a large part of this. Um, and Ray's going to talk a bit about this. This part might not be hugely relevant to you if you've just got small kids and you're not quite at that age yet, but I can tell you this, this comes fast. Um, so knowing and getting on top of it and knowing what you think of it now and yet the effects of it are important. Yeah, the, one of the problems that social media um, enables is that it, it gives you the opportunity to present a version of yourself that's not really you. So the types of selfies you take and the things you have, you can present a, the best version of yourself to the world and then you've got to figure out how to live up to that expectation which is quite crushing. Um, so there's, there's, there's issues there in terms of the way, uh, not only kids, I think this is true across the board, isn't it? Like This is not just a kid issue, I think this is an adult issue as much as a kid issue, but more dangerous, I think, for kids. Um, it means that they're not connecting deeply in good, real relationships where they find their worth and their sense of um, identity It can be more that they judge their value by how many Facebook friends they've got or, in fact, even just how many likes their last selfie got. And so it's quite a problematic thing. And it gets even worse. Like, you get into the world of cyberbullying and the sexting issues and all the stuff that social media then allows to happen in the community of kids. Um, It's quite frightening, really, and quite devastating. 
So there's a lot more that can be said on that, but um, one thing I will say, and I was interested in Glennis's talk a bit earlier this week, I, I chatted to another school chaplain that works on the coast area, and he said that 90% of his work as a high school chaplain is the result of social media being handled inappropriately. 90% of his workload. That's pretty horrendous, isn't it? You know, when I was a kid, if you didn't like someone, you smacked them in the mouth, it was on, it resolved, you made friends, and then you got on with life again. Now, you, you, you beat each other up with words on Facebook, you're gathering your friends, and sadly your friends include your family, and then the parents are going at it in just as inappropriate a fashion as the kids. So it's a, a pretty horrid thing, and that's what this... Um, this young bloke I was talking to as a chaplain was having to deal with, no longer it's, is it just the two in the schoolyard, it's the whole collection of friends and the families that they're trying to work counselling through the problems. So just be aware, social media has a lot of risks attached to it. Another significant impact, and this is a bit of a horrid one, but it's just a reality, is that we live in a highly sexualized culture today, so Statistics are showing more and more that pornography is a massive and growing problem. Um, the, the last survey I, I looked at, and admittedly this was a, a, a survey taken of Christian men and women. 50% of Christian men and 20% of Christian women indicated a regular habit of viewing pornography and unable, were unable to stop. This was habitual, they were addicted. That's a pretty high statistic. I thought that was quite a concerning thing. Um, Conservatively, 93% of boys, 62% of girls have been exposed to some kind of hard pornography before the age of 18. Now get this one. You know that computer that sits in your, on your desk in your house? Globally, one in every eight internet searches is for pornography. One in eight of every searches. And that comes down to one in five when you're talking about a mobile device. Staggering, yeah? It's a bit icky. You don't really want to think about all that stuff. But this is the world that our kids are engaging in when they come onto screens. And so we, we just felt it was important to flag some of that to highlight the dangers so that when we come to thinking about what we're aiming for, we kind of get why we need to actually address this as parents. So what are we aiming for? In the end, I don't think it's that complex. We're doing our best to raise healthy kids. Isn't that the role of a parent? And when I say healthy, um, I'm thinking healthy physically, relationally, socially, emotionally. And for Nicole and I as Christian parents, um, we we want our our kids to grow up with a healthy understanding of who God is who made the world and them and how he has intended for them to live in the world that he's made. And so that framework for us is really important because how we understand um, the importance of relationships flows out of that for us. That is that we, God has made people for a relationship with himself and with each other. So deeply, intrinsically into the fabric of who we are as people, we have been made for relationships. And so working out with our kids to help them grow up to understand who this God is they've been made to relate to and how God intends us to relate with each other is, is a big important part of what we're trying to do in raising our kids. So let's move to some practical stuff because um, I think that would be good. Um, we've learnt a bunch of lessons as much from our mistakes as our awesome parenting plans, as I reckon some of you probably uh, think the same. We've also really appreciated advice we get off others. Um, and I would put a caveat in here. Just be mindful of what you read on the internet. We've found as much helpful as unhelpful. So 
filter what you read, um, be wise. Where do we start? I want to start with stating the obvious. You need to remember that as parents you need to set the example, take the lead, be the parent. Now it is kind of stating the obvious, but if your life's anything like mine, in, in the midst of everything else you're trying to do on a daily basis, when you come home and you've got three kids, the house is quiet, and you go, oh gosh, this is just a moment of bliss, isn't it? And you realise they're all on screens. The motive for engaging with that can be less when it affects your comfort. And so what I want to remind you of is that you do need to both set the example, take the lead, be the parent. Set the example. Um, Manage yourself. Set the example in how you yourself use screens. When and where and how you're using them. How much time you give to TV. How you're on social media yourself and uh, your phone calls and your texting. Um, Take the lead in your own life and then you've got a better chance of taking the lead in your family. And be the parent. I say this because um, we hear often as parents we've got to pick our battles. And I reckon the battle with the screen is one you can fight sometimes more than once every day. But you are the parent. If you don't fight this battle, it won't be fought. So there's my first advice. Um, Yeah, this also might be obvious to you, but it's good for us as parents to be reminded to have... Have set screen time, but also have set screen free time. Um, so for this is going to look different for everyone depending on their lifestyle, but we've just got a few examples of what this looks like in, in the Copland household. Um, for us, we have, we have certain family times that we try really hard to keep from distractions, particularly technology distractions, um, and one of them for us is dinner time. We see this as a really important time as our family. Our kids don't see that so much, so that's why it's a battle every night to get everyone to sit down socially, nicely, without fighting and bickering and make it through a whole meal. But to have that opportunity for them to process their day, to look at each other, to have conversation, we see that as a really important time. It's getting better as they get older, but... um, yeah, we, we see that as a, as a particularly good time for us as a family and worthwhile fighting for. Um, so part of that is for us, no, no TV, no iPods, no iPhones. Um, it's, a, it's an absolute distraction-free zone if we can manage it, which is, which is a battle. Um, but our kids know that, you know, if there's a text that comes in, they're, they're the first to jump on us if we even look like... We're going to answer that. And so, yeah, have, have your kids in on it too. Um, they are quite often better at, it, at keeping that time than what we are. Um, we, we tend to keep our dinner and our family nights as a treat. Um, on a weekend, we love our dinner and movie nights. We love them. But we, it's a treat time for us as a family where we sit down, watch a movie, eat dinner and sit close with each other and hug and that sort of stuff. Um, but generally during the week, it's, it's our family interaction time. Um, another example that we do of setting screen time is that we restrict um, iPads and iPods for entertainment purposes generally to the weekend. Um, and I say generally speaking. We, we try that one. Um, and we keep TV viewing to certain shows that the kids want to watch at certain times. Um, now, there's exceptions to this rule. Sick kids, you're sick, 
you want to kill your kids, it's safer for them to be on a screen than with you. But they tend to be exceptions to the rule, not the normal. Um, yeah. And we've also worked out with our kids um, different restrictions based on their ages and their needs and, and the stage they're at. So our teen needs his, needs his iPod to um, organise himself for school timetables and calendars and that sort of thing. So he, he tends to get a, a longer rope with his device as opposed to our nine-year-old who only needs his iPod to blow stuff up on the weekend. That's, so he, so he, he gets a longer rope with that. So don't be shy, to, I think, to um, tailor-make restrictions for each age of the child. They will all cry unfair, but I think it's a good thing for them to work towards. And, um, you know, I guess as small children, we, we teach our kids by um, boundaries, by external measures, um, but we really want them to grow in character and behaviour for themselves. So giving them a bit more freedom and responsibility um, will help them to learn to internally manage themselves on their devices um, but it comes with the proviso and a conversation with them that if they mismanage that time and that freedom, you will need to tug that rope in. Um, we also have no iPods in the bed. As we talk, talked about earlier, in the bedroom at night and before bed, we really try hard to not have that um, bright, active screen um, in front of their faces because we have noticed... Um, that our kids don't sleep well um, if, they, if they're doing that. Um, and lastly, uh, my, my tip would be um, is we have screen-free days, as in no screen all day, and everybody lives. <laughs> everybody makes it through. Um, early, I think, in our kids' lives, this was difficult for them, and the first couple of hours is hard when they're whinging and whining, but... They eventually go find something to do. Um, and, yeah, I, this, is, this is hard, I think, more for parents with young kids. Um, so pick your time to do that, I think, as a, as a parent with small kids when you've got a day that is already going to be full of activity and outings and that sort of thing. But absolutely give it a go. Um, it's amazed what, what they find to do. We had one of these days last week and my 14-year-old boy picked up a book that's unheard of. We fell over. We made a big deal of it, and he he <laughs> he carried on. And then he went and turned my couches over and played a Nerf war around my head, which I was really kind of at that point wishing he was on a screen. Um, but um, screen-free days are great, um, and that's why, like we heard from Tim earlier this week, camping. Um, yeah, those times without a screen and the kids are free to do unstructured play. Yeah, I, I think as a parent I, um, I would feel the pressure of those times of my kids being bored and my need to entertain them. Um, and so, you know, like the kids, kids whinging about being bored and so needing to fill that time up for them, which is a, it is a good thing to do. But I think um, what's, what's really helpful for them is to actually be bored. Um, we embrace boredom now in our house. When my kids come at me and say, I'm bored, I say, great, can't wait to see what you do with it, you know? Um, And 
um, watching actually a report this week uh, was really helpful for me to see that scientists are um, saying that there is actually a part of your brain that develops um, self-reflection and empathy and it actually only engages when, when people daydream or kids daydream. So really to daydream, you, you kind of need to be bored. So boredom's not a bad thing, that boredom that leads to daydream. with time for them that's empty, that they can reflect, think, you know, imagine, um, develop empathy, which is a massive thing, I think, um, is a really helpful thing. You. Cool. Um, it is really important to encourage other activities for your kids as well, um, whether it's learning to surf, skate, play footy, tag, dancing, music, art, photography, take your pick. Find an interest that your kids have got and explore, them, explore it with them. Um, we just find our kids are far more likely to pick up and engage and see something through that's new if you're involved in it. If you're behind it, they'll, they'll have a much better chance of doing it. And the more things that they've got that they do enjoy that's not a screen makes it a whole lot easier to point them somewhere else when it comes to getting them off a screen. So it, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, there's nothing really new about saying that, is it? It seems pretty obvious, but I'd go back to the same thing, and that is, in the daily grind, what I'm saying is that you've, you've actually got to go do something with your kids to do that, and there's the rub, Yeah. There's the set the example part of parenting. You can't do it every time in the full expression that you might want to do all the time. But I just know that getting my kids up and started, particularly in a sport, I needed to be there. Now, my kids are a bit shyer socially and a bit more anxious, so more so the case for kids like mine. Um, But the big point is um, open the world of options to them and lead the way into that a little bit so that they've got the chance of doing something other than a screen. Now, um, another thing we've found, just a really simple tip, is if your kids are going to sit down and watch a movie or have a a bit of screen time, we've actually found it's really helpful to um, light up the runway of what's going to happen on the other side of that. So, okay, you're going to watch a movie. What are you going to do when the movie's over? I don't know. What are some things you could do? Um, uh, I don't know. You could play a Nerf war, jump in the pool, you could go for a skate, if you put some things on the other side of the screen time that then they're ready for, it's far easier to transition out of the screen time into something that's not another screen. Um, We just found it works. Yep. Um, And more on that, getting involved in your kids' lives, um, I think is a big point. And yes, you're all here and you've brought your kids. Yes, you're involved. You probably like to get a little less involved in your kids' lives at times. But um, I think... Get involved in terms of talking to your kids. Talk to them about this. Talk to them about the dangers of sitting on a screen all day. Talk about what effect that has on them. Um, Give them your reasons for restricting devices. Ask them their thoughts, um, what they think is fair. Make it a conversation. This is is good information for them to know. Um, So do that. But also get involved when they're on their screens, you know, we, we treat that time as kind of a rest from them, and that's good. I'm all for that. Um, but we can still be involved. I think the danger for us as parents is switching off to what our kids are switching on. Um, so know what they're watching or see what they like about that game they're playing or watch them play their game and, and see how good they are at 
blowing up people and outrunning cops and, um, you know, as our son does. Like, don't make screen time a totally private experience is, I think, the big point there. Um, and now, when it comes to the world of social media, we're, our kids kind of aren't all in yet with that, but they've got a few little things they're on, like Instagram and stuff, but we put a few simple rules in place straight up for them. Um, well, they have, to, they have to be our friends. They have to, they have to like us so we can see what they're doing. Uh, we can see them interacting with their friends on social media, which is actually, as a parent, a really nice thing to see a lot of the time. You see a part of them that you don't normally get to see. Um, so there are some benefits for there, but, um, yeah, know that they know that we are there and we are part of that experience with them. Um, we also have an open house policy, which means that when they got their device, they knew that dad or mum are gonna, can jump on there at any time. We have their passwords. We can see what they're on. We can see how they're interacting. Um, and so they know that. And, and so then, I guess, don't be shy to reevaluate um, certain apps if they've not conducted themselves in a, you know, in a mature way with that. Um, with our daughter on Instagram, she, she wasn't completely wise when she first got that little app. And so we deleted it and we talked to, talked to her about it and why that wasn't so helpful. And then we've reintroduced it six months down the track. And um, so it's that little tug of when, you know, they, as they learn to um, interact with social media. The last lot of stuff um, we've got by way of advice is really trying to tackle, I guess, some way of protecting your kids when they're online. Um, sometimes it's hard to know where to begin and end with this question. Let me give you four quick things. If you're not aware, every device has a parental control area that allows you to set a parental control password. You can go into that device and you can set an age restriction to match the child, which means any music, apps, movie, content that they're on the device itself will filter down to an age-restricted level. It's not foolproof, but it's a first line of defence, parental controls. Second one is filtering software. I've, um, I've recently, I'm in, just in the process of redoing all this in my house, and, and I'm using two different versions of this at the moment. I use a product um, that's free called OpenDNS. I don't know whether any of you have heard of it, but it's, it's a free software program that actually filters everything coming into your home. So it's not specific to a device. It doesn't matter whether it's mine, Nicole's, the kids, or their friends as they come into our house. We can block the nasties, anything anyone accesses through my personal internet at home, OpenDNS. The second one is a, a device-specific, and I, I use a product called Covenant Eyes. Um, there's a number of them out there, and I'm, I'm not seeking to promote this with any negative reflection on the others. I just know this one because we're using it. Uh, but Covenant Eyes then allows you to set up in their family package a profile for every person in your home, and that profile is an age profile, and every device that every person has under that profile, you can then filter at a device-specific level. So obviously Nicole and I will have a higher maturity rating. My nine-year-old son has a very tight restriction on his. So that we find is really, really helpful. But as Nicole mentioned, we're keen not just to block things for our kids and not teach them. 
And so the, the other aspect of Covenant Eyes that we find helpful is that it has accountability software that means that not only do Nicole and I get a report of all the things, all the sites our kids have um, accessed or been blocked from. Um, sorry, yeah, that's right. Um, I, I just want to say one or two things. We don't want to just know that we've blocked the sites for our kids. We want the option to know what they've tried to access as well. And so the accountability report gives us the window into that conversation and that relationship where we can talk stuff through with the kids. And the last thing that I I do like about Covenant Eyes is that for each of the profiles, you can actually set what hours of what day they can even get on your internet at home. So the high risk period for teenagers and the issue of porn is um, you know, 9 through nine, 9 p.m. through till 7 in the morning. So we just block internet in our house through what we know is the danger zone. But you can do that um, individually for each of the devices. So I don't know how much of that you've heard of before. Happy to talk to you more if that can be of help. But um, I guess we want to just say we've found these things helpful. I hope some of it's been helpful for you. Um, but in the end, we want to just come back to the goal. Uh, we are about raising healthy kids in the whole gamut of what it means to be a healthy person. And so we try to engage our kids in a variety of different ways to see that goal be the outcome of what we do as parents. That's us. <laughs>